Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, good morning. You can grab your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers will be coming by and they will um, give you one to use or keep if you need it. Okay, so um, recapping, a couple weeks ago we, I, I hijacked this whole month and said that uh, we're going to talk about evangelism because evangelism is lame. And if you weren't here, that may strike you as odd. But if I said, hey, we've got this huge plan. Today at 1 o'clock, love to see you all. We're going to be going around and evangelizing. If I said that, I'm guessing that basically none of you would come because all these warning signs went off in your heart and your mind. They went, oh, evangelism, I can't do that. That's horrible. Oh, no, I'm busy. I got, I've got this uh, thing I got to do. I can't. I'm busy. Grandma, kids, sick, oh, I don't feel so good. Whatever it is, you'd come up with a reason to miss it because that word evangelism, you've seen it abused. And so what we're trying to do is look at what is Jesus actually calling us to? So that's what we're kind of going through, you know, on a mission, so to speak. We don't really have an official title for the series because I hijacked the Proverbs theory and threw this one in so we don't have like, you know, cool graphics and a cool catchy thing. So maybe we'll just call it evangelism is lame. Maybe that'll stick in your head as a nice, really like, yay, let's go do it kind of theme. But the thinking here is this. Let's look at what Jesus called us to in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Okay. This is what he said. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago in that passage, If you look at it the way it's actually written, it says, as you are going into the world, not go into the world, but as you are going, which means in the flow of your life, which means you don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to Cambodia. You don't have to go to El Salvador. You don't necessarily have to go anywhere else than where you already are. The disciples didn't leave, by the way. Jesus said that and they nodded and went, all right, we got it. And they just stayed where they were at. The only reason it went around the world is because of the persecution. Because people started dying because of their faith. And they're like, we probably want to live a little bit longer. And so as they moved, they just shared what they already knew. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the reason we share is you don't get any extra bonus spiritual points. You don't get any extra Holy Spirit. You don't get any extra God points for sharing this good news. You just share because it's what you want to do. Because you have good news and because you care for others, you want to share it. So when they say make disciples, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, what does that mean? Like, again, when you translate from Greek to English and Hebrew to English, things get all mixed up. So you hear that word, make disciples. And sometimes that's what evangelism may feel like. Like, I've got to go make someone believe. I've got to make them as if it's a forced thing. But that's not what it means. So what we're going to look at right here, let's look at Acts 1.8. Because this is how, this is the way that this good news is going to be shared. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
So Chad was up here a little bit ago, and he was sharing his experience. And then a couple weeks ago, Stacy was sharing hers. When um, we said, look, you don't have to share anything. You could just observe. But then the guy that was down there, who we all agree is a great guy, but also certifiably crazy, he tapped people on the shoulder and go, okay, now you're sharing. And you're sh-, and just started making people go up there. But the cool thing was, because I came back and heard this, because we were doing something else, and when I came back, um, Stacy had told me that that had happened. And I went, what? I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> like, I told everybody this wasn't going to happen, and then it happened. And Stacy said this. She said, no, because I wanted to. What? Like, how did you... Because, And this is how you always know it. It's like something is happening inside of you. It's almost like we, we talk about it like your heart starts beating fast because you know you're supposed to do something. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon you, we can get all weird, like, oh, the different colors, your eyes are going to fade and your skin's going to tingle. You know, maybe it's just as simple as your heart beating fast. I believe the Holy Spirit came on her and said, I have something for you to share, Stacy." do it. Chad even said, he goes, I, I didn't want to do this, but I knew I should. It was like that. Uh, 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 uh. And so he went, he followed. I believe the Holy Spirit came upon him saying, I want you to do this, Chad. I know you don't want to do this, but I want you to. So I'm coming upon you to move you in that direction. You can, you can decide to disobey. You can decide to not go in that direction, but that's where I want you to go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That word we should all be very familiar with. Because even in the Greek, it meant what it means in English. It means a person that gives a witness, like in a court of law. In fact, that word is martus, or some derivative of that. The core is mart. And that's where we get the word martyr from. And a martyr doesn't it wasn't originally someone that dies because of what they believe. It originally meant someone that shares the truth. And because they shared the truth, they shared what they could see, what they could hear, and what they could touch. When they shared that, because it wasn't what somebody wanted to hear, because they disagreed with it, they would die. And as I say that out loud, I think that sounds kind of funny when we talk about evangelism and sharing the gospel. Like, some of you may be nervous because in a way you feel like you're going to die. Like someone's going to judge you and they're going to tear you down because you're sharing good news. But literally, people would die because they shared their faith. But think about this. When you're a witness, it's pretty simple. When we talk about evangelism, you don't have to go out and do anything weird. You don't. In Mexico, it's very normal. They all came out of their houses. We were knocking on doors. Hey, we're going to go talk under this tree if you want to come. And as Americans, we're thinking... This is ridiculous. It's going to be just us and a couple kids hoping they get free candy. Nobody's going to leave their house. This is weird. This is not normal for us. Why would they do this? And yet for them, it's part of their culture. Like, oh, someone knocked on our door. They said they had something good to share. Let's go hear it. And then afterwards, they'd come up and say, thank you so much. Could you pray over us? They weren't all spiritual people. They just knew the heart from which it came. But we, as Americans, are so jaded. And as soon as we hear that knock on that door, you immediately think, somebody trying to sell me something? Don't you? You're not like, oh, who's coming to visit me? No, it's usually, what? What do they want? What are they trying to get? But to be a witness, let's bring it down to its core. If you were to be called to be a witness in a court of law, okay, you're probably going to get your time in the sun someday or other. So here's your lesson. You don't even have to look it up on Google. I'll give it to you right now. 
All you have to do is when you go up there, do not feel like you have to say what the prosecutor or the defender wants you to say. Don't feel like you have to share anything and don't feel pressured. All you have to share is what you heard or what you saw or what you experienced or touched. That's all you're responsible for. That's the definition of you being a witness. You don't have to talk. You're not allowed to say what someone else thinks. That's not your job. You are a witness and your job is just to give the evidence of what you saw or you heard or you touched. So now let's look at this passage in that light. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be. Not you should be. Please go out and do it. But you will be. My witnesses in Jerusalem. And then out farther in all of Judea. And then even farther out to Samaria and all over the world. Because you guys move around. Because we move. And so whatever you saw and touched and experienced, that's what it is. So I want to show you another passage. I want us to look at 1 John 1. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 John 1. We'll have that up here. But what I want to talk about first is I really want to make this idea of being a witness very clear. I don't want to just jump forward into this scripture that we're really going to be looking at, but I want us to take time and look at what does it mean to be a witness. Because you guys do this all the time. You witness about people all the time. What you do is, is if um, you're going to, if you know a certain person and they cook and you've actually touched and eaten their food and if it ain't good, you're going to make sure that person knows it, whether they asked or not. Hey, I'm thinking about going to this restaurant. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I went there. In fact, I know the guy that cooks there never washes his hands. I know that. Not I heard it from somebody else. I saw it. I've worked with him. You do not want to eat his food. You don't even want to go near that place. I'm telling you, it's not a good idea. Why? Because somebody told you? No, because if somebody told you, oh, I had a friend that went there, that's called a rumor or gossip. Now, it could be true, but it's gossip or it's a rumor because you didn't actually experience it. So, for example, if, let's say, Mark tells me and he tells me the story about that chef, and then I go tell somebody else, I'm not being a witness. That's called rumor or evidence. I'm sharing, well, I had a friend, and he said, because I didn't see it, I didn't hear it, and I didn't touch it myself. Um, When you have a child that's going to a certain school, you're like, what class should they get into? You start asking people to testify or to witness to the quality of the teachers. Should they go to that teacher? Should they go to this teacher? Oh, this teacher's fantastic. My kids went through her class. She should go there. What about this lady? Oh, no, 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 no. My older kid went there. That's why we went over here at this point. We do this all the time. This is something we should be very familiar with because we do it consistently. Um, We'll have somebody, oh, I'm thinking about asking that person to help me out with this. Wouldn't talk to that guy. I've been with that guy. He's kind of sketchy. Like, he has a huge temper. If you put him in that position, I've seen him, I've seen him explode. He's exploded on me. He exploded on my friend. We were right there. Now, maybe those details, maybe he left a few things out. But the point is, is we know that that person has it within it because we trust the person that gave the testimony or the witness. So when we talk about sharing this this faith, this good news, all you have to do is share what you know. Not what you think you're supposed to share, right? 
Because what happens is we come here in a community of faith like this, or we go to a Bible study, and we hear something like, God is like this. And so then we're like, well, that's what I heard, so now I'm going to go share that, that God's like this. And you know what the problem is? Is that you haven't seen it yourself. You haven't touched it. You haven't heard it. The Holy Spirit hasn't revealed that to you. So you're just sharing something that someone else shared. So you know what you're doing? You're gossiping about God. You're spreading rumors about God. They might be true, but they might be false. But you don't know because you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, and you didn't touch it yourself. As we talked about before, when we talk about sharing this good news, if it's not good news to you, you're off the hook. you got nothing to share. And I'm telling you from here, please don't. Don't share what you don't know. That should set you free. Because now all you have to do is share what you've experienced, what you've seen, what you've touched with your own life. You don't have to have all the answers. That's what a lot of people say. Well, I, I, I don't know if I could share about God because I don't know everything. You guys have figured out I don't know anything, right? You figure that out. All I'm sharing is what I've experienced. They give me a microphone to stand up here. But that doesn't mean I can just talk about anything. I need to share only what I have seen, what I've touched, and what I've witnessed for myself. And that's all you're responsible for as well. So as we move forward here and as we start to take some tweaks, I want to make sure that you understand the difference between witness and testimony and rumors and gossip. Because what we're talking about is sharing what you've experienced yourself. So when we talk about sharing this good news and reaching out into this world, just share what you've experienced. So let's look at 1 John 1. John is most likely the same John from the book of John. So you got Peter, James, and John, John, that John, this John. And he is most likely writing to the seven churches in that area that we also see in the book of Revelation. Because John wrote Revelation as well. And so as he's writing to them and trying to encourage them and lift them up, this is the very first thing he says. He talks about, he talks about his interaction with them. He's not trying to prove himself. He's just kind of sharing. He's saying, hey, you know. You know how it was when I was with you, how we were. So this is what he says. That which was from the beginning, and he's talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He doesn't even use the word witness here. But that's what he's doing. He's witnessing. He's testifying to what they have experienced. He said, this is what we did with you guys. Now let's look at the uh, next verse. The life appeared. What life is he talking about? The Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus. We have seen it and testify to it. That word testify is that word we've talked about, martus. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So what John does here is he's just sharing what he's experienced. All he's doing is saying, look, this is what we've seen. This is what we've heard. This is what we've touched. And that's what we shared with you guys. And then he goes on to talk about other things. But what did John see? What did he hear? What did he touch? I want to give you some highlights because John is a unique guy. Most of you are not going to have experience as much as John. You don't have to. But this is what he experienced. He was one of the youngest to be appointed an apostle, one of the original 12. 
He was in the inner circles we talked about, Peter, James, and John. So when he'd pull the three out, he'd always pull them aside. Like there was the three, and then the 12, and there was like 150, and then there was everybody else. Those were the followers of Jesus. But for some reason, Jesus decided, I'm going to spend time with Peter and James and John. I'm going to really pour into those three guys. And John was one of those. He was the one that prepared the Last Supper. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I put it together. He was the guy. He went in, made sure everything was put together. And then he, as we've talked about for the Passover meal, which is a very important meal and it's very ceremonial, and all of the seats are set aside for a particular reason. And he was put in a special seat next to Jesus. Why did Jesus do that? We'll have to ask him later. But he was right there. John was like, he could smell Jesus. Do you ever think about that? What would it be like to smell Jesus? John could tell you. Because he smelled it. And that sounds weird to say. That's what happened. Um, he was the one that asked the Lord, wait, who's going to betray you? Because Jesus said somebody's going to betray. And then John was the one they tapped on the shoulder. Hey, you ask him, John. You're right next to him. You ask. And so he was the one, wait, who's the one? Who's the one that's going to betray you at the time of the Last Supper? John was the one that witnessed Jesus weep and saw him sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He also was the one that followed Jesus through all of his trials. So as Jesus was going through that entire tortuous experience, John was following him around to witness it. He stood at the foot of Jesus' cross and he watched him suffer. He was appointed by Jesus. While Jesus was up on the cross, Jesus looked down at John and said, you need to take care of my mom. Mom, this is now your son. John was the first person to enter his empty tomb. And he bragged about it. Me and Peter, we were running there, and well, I beat him there, and I was the first one in. He was the first person to recognize Jesus after he rose from the dead. He also gazed into the sky as Jesus was ascending back into heaven. And John was visited by Jesus while he was on Patmos. He was exiled because of his faith, because of his witness, because of his evidence. They exiled him to this island. They put him in prison, basically, on an island because of his testimony. Because he said, look, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, and this is what I touched. You need to stop saying that. I can't. It's what I saw. It's what I, you, you asked for the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Fine. We're going to put you on this island. We've killed all your other buddies. We're putting you on this island. John is only sharing what he experienced. Now, he was given more, so he is expected to share more. But if you have tasted any of the goodness of God, we have a responsibility to share this. Let's go to the next verse. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, at Branches, we try not to use words like fellowship too much because most of you really don't know what it means. And if we're in church, we think, I think it means we hang out. Isn't that what fellowship means? Fellowship is this... Well, my friend Colin came this morning, and I said, Colin, if you're coming this morning, I'm going to have to use you in the sermon. So, Colin, here you go. It's for you. So, Colin was coming, and he's like, well, I'm coming. And so, if I'm coming, I don't want to come alone. So, i got to bring my friends. So he called his buddy Bryce. Bryce, I'm going to church. You better come with me. 
okay, okay, no, you need to come with me. That's what you do. Like, if you have people you're close with and you do life together, if you're going through a big moment or a small moment or whatever, you want to do it with people you're close with. They've shared experience. I've known them since they were in, like, junior high. They've gone through some stuff. In fact, I'm surprised they're not in prison. They've gone through so many experiences together. And they've walked through life together, and there's a special bond between them. So when you say something like fellowship, what that means is to have that kind of friendship. And so John is saying here, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard because we want you to be close with us like we're close with each other. We want you to have this. We've seen this, we've heard this, we've touched this, and it's changed us. It's bonded us together. It's turned everything upside down. And we, we share something. We want you to share in that also. It's not, hey, we want you to know this because if you do, we get a free toaster. We want you to believe this because if you do, then all the other people will think we're better than we are. We want to do this because God's going to give us some extra God points. No, it's just because we know what this is like and we want to share it with you. Because we care. Because we love you. Because we, it ma- you matter to us. There's, that's what fellowship means. And so they don't want them to be left out. And then he goes on to say this. We write this. He's like, he, now he makes it really clear. Why are we writing this? We write this to make our joy complete. I don't know if you've ever experienced something so beautiful and you experienced it and there was nobody around to see it. And so it made that moment, although it was beautiful, you knew it could have been more if you could have shared it with somebody. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I was uh, going through it with Tyler and as I was sharing with him, it reminded me of our trip to Nicaragua. So we were down in Nicaragua together, and there were a bunch of us, and um, we would go surfing early in the morning, and then we'd go out and work. So like five in the morning, we had to meet, and then we'd go, and we'd be back by like nine. And um, in the morning, we, uh, the waves were kind of small, and so they want to take us back to this place called Rancho Santana. And I'm thinking, why are we going to go back to that spot? They're offering to take us out on the boat. Like, it's a boat, Even if the waves are flat, we're on a boat. We get to go somewhere else where nobody else is going. And so I'm thinking it's the greatest idea ever, but nobody wanted to go. And so since nobody's going, I'm like, well, I better go with everybody else. I'm thinking, no, there's a boat. So I got on the boat. Some other guy that was at the camp that wasn't with us got on the boat and and the guide. That was it. And so we get on this boat and they take us out to this place called... uh, I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly. It's that secret spot. You don't need to know. So they take us around to this spot, and we get off the boat, and it was amazing. Whether you surf or not, let me just tell you, it was good. It was overhead, and the other guy didn't surf very much, so he didn't even get in the water. He just sat in the boat. And so the guide, he's like, well, I better go surf. And so it's just me and him surfing, catching wave after wave, where, my arm, where I had to like pace myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to let these waves go by. So I'll have energy for this one. Like, when does that ever happen? And as I'm riding this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is fantastic. I'm yelling at him. He's yelling at me. That was beautiful. But then it started hitting me after about 20 minutes into this because I'm like, I got it. And they missed it. They so missed it. (laughs) But about 30 minutes in, I'm like, they missed it. I was sincerely, completely bummed that they didn't get to experience that. And it made it less of an experience for me. Although it's still one of my best memories, it would have been so much more if I could have looked out at my friends and we were experiencing that together. So when John says this, we write this to make our joy complete, 
That's what he's talking about. We want to share this good news because we, it's more complete. There's this joy that comes from us experiencing it together with others. I mean, I'm joking about Colin and I'm joking about Bryce, but like, I've walked with Colin. I've seen what's gone on in his life and I know that he has a sincere faith. And when we were meeting at like six in the morning at my house and he'd come over for Bible study and, and we'd go to camp and he'd pretty much give us this experience at camp where like they wouldn't let us back to the camp because he was causing so much havoc. And I just wanted to strangle the little guy when he was in high school. Yet it was all worth it for the joy of seeing where he's at now. And I look around this room and so many of you guys are like friends of mine that I've walked with and you guys have walked with me. I think of, um, I think of Shane in the back and think about like those rough years where we walked together. And I remember thinking, why am I doing this? This guy is like, this is a lot of work. And he doesn't even care. He's basically spitting on all the effort we're making to love on this guy. And yet there is this joy that is so deep, so deep to know like, like literally, and I'm not exaggerating, like the word brothers, like we're brothers now. It's my brother-in-law. Like there's a deep joy that God has given us. And he's the one that provided it. He's made my joy complete. I think of what Chad shared. I think of Ruby sharing. I think of Ruby and, and my daughter was crying because she couldn't come up here because she wanted to share her story too. And we're like, no, 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 it's, it's Ruby's time. But she also wanted to be there right next to Ruby because they got to experience that together. Like, I wonder, what's that going to be like in 20 years when they look back? What's it going to be like? What kind of stories are they going to share? And so here's... Here's what I want to ask you guys. And this is what I want to close with. Who are the people? Who are the people that you most want to share this with? If you were to go surfing, if you actually enjoyed surfing, and you knew there was this amazing spot, who would you want to put on the boat? Who would you want to experience that with you? Just let them know that. That's all you'd have to say. Say, you know what? I was at church this morning. We were sharing about what Jesus has done. And, and I don't know everything. But this is what I do know. This is what I've seen. This is what I've touched. This is what I've heard. And it's so beautiful to me. I don't have all the answers. And, and I get really angry sometimes. Because I, I, I can't answer a lot of your questions about God. Because I don't want to gossip or rumor about that. But this is what I do know. And if I were to get on a boat. And I were to experience something really beautiful. I'd want you to be there. I'd want you to experience that because you're important to me. That's why we do VBS. Do you guys know that? By the way, dumbest name on the planet. Whoever came up with VBS in the beginning, in the beginning of time when churches started doing stuff for kids, but that's why we do that. Because we want all these kids to be able to come. We want them to invite their friends. We want their parents to invite their friends so these kids can come and at least have the opportunity to hear it. To be able to just laugh and play and hear these stories and go, wait, what? What? Thank you for sharing that with me. That's why, we, that's why we have a high school group and a youth group. It's because we want them to have this experience. We want them to do this together, to depend on each other. We want them to have what Colin and Bryce had. We want that for our kids. We want it for kids outside of here because we want their joy to be complete. Because this was not meant to be done alone. And I want to be honest that I know that some of you are saying, you know what, but I haven't seen anything. And I haven't touched anything and I haven't heard anything. 
And so I want to close finally with this. Do what it takes to get close enough to see and to hear and to touch. I'm not going to give you my full testimony. I don't even know if I could, but I've seen God at work. I don't wake up every morning and see God in motion. I know you think that may be what it is because people share the gossip or the rumor that that's what God does. I haven't experienced that. I've never actually walked with anybody that said that. Every minute of every day, God's right here. We're walking and we're talking and it's moving and shaking. That's not how it is for me and I've never experienced anyone else that's done that. But what I can say is that God has, has met me and he continues to meet me at intervals. And as I look at my life, I can see what he's done. And I want everyone to have that opportunity, especially those that are close to me. And Jesus said the same thing. I want to finish with these verses. This is what he said. This, is what he, this was the words that he gave for those that he said, look, I want you to come and see and touch and hear. Come closer. It should be like the next slide over, John. He said, see my hands and my feet. That is, I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He also said this in the next verse to Thomas in a different place. He said, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, this is Jesus in the flesh talking to people. And you may be going, uh, I don't get that opportunity. But then he said this. And we are witnesses to these things. We are martyrs. We are giving testimony. We are giving evidence to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. I don't know why it works this way, but I've seen it happen time and time again. When people make decisions to begin following the Lord before they actually know everything, then they actually meet him and experience him. God is not hiding. God is not silent. It's that we're not listening. So if you haven't seen or touched or heard him, we're inviting you in to come closer. So I want to invite the worship team up. Um, as they're coming up, um, they've chosen some songs. And when they always choose these songs, they choose them for the purpose of us, this being a time to pray. So if you could all join me in standing. Um, as we always say when we invite you guys to stand, you're welcome to then sit back down immediately if that's the best way for you to pray. But we always start standing because it's easier to start standing and sit than to start sitting if you want to stand, to stand. Um, but as we're praying, please make a decision in your head. Do you need to draw closer? Or there are a few people that you need to sit down with as you are going through life and pray for that opportunity and explain to them the boat. Go, you know what? You're important to me and I want to share this with you. I want to share with you what I've seen and touched and heard. I'm not going to tell you what someone else said. I'm not going to tell you what I read in a book or what some pastor said or what I think I'm supposed to say. I'm only going to share what I know. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask you to give us courage to love. May we try to love more than we worry about what will happen to us. How can we share this good news? How can we be a light? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.